Jeremiah chapter 41 is where we'll be today. Actually, chapter 40, uh, the fiasco, if you would, started in chapter 36. Chapter 36 through chapter 41, this is a crazy different changes in, uh, in what happened here in Judah. Now, if you're, if you're new to the Bible, and if you're watching online, some, some are here, new converts, uh, this time in Israel's history is, is well after the northern kingdom uh, split from the southern kingdom. Under, after, after Solomon, we have Rehoboam and Jeroboam, uh, and uh, the, uh, Jeroboam took... Ten tribes went north, two tribes stayed south. What does that mean? They had a basically a civil dispute, and uh, two of the 12 tribes stayed right there in Jerusalem and Judah, or Judea, in, those, in that region. Ten tribes went north to Samaria, uh, and that would be the, uh, obviously the capital of the northern kingdom was Samaria, and the capital of the southern kingdom would be Jerusalem. The northern kingdom, there were no good kings. Uh, the northern kingdom consisted of every king in the northern kingdom were wicked. They were evil. But there were a few good kings in the southern kingdom in Judah uh, throughout the dynasty of the southern kingdom. Now, in the northern kingdom, they were destroyed by the Assyrians uh, about 150 years before the Babylonians came and besieged and destroyed the southern kingdom. In Jeremiah's prophecy, uh, this is one of those pre-exilic books. What does that mean? Israel was going to be brought into captivity for 70 years. So whatever is left over is going to be left in the land, but the poor, the, uh, the, of the weak of the land stayed there in Judah. But Nebuchadnezzar, if you would, took the southern kingdom captive back to Babylon. And there they would plant vineyards. They would basically continue to live. After what was taking place here. So watch this. Jeremiah is a prophet that went to the southern kingdom. He warned them of what was going to come. He warned them of the impending judgment of God. He warned them of their disobedience of what was going to come to that nation. And so this is where we find here in the book of Jeremiah, again, a pre-exilic book. Uh, but he predicts in the book of Jeremiah that there's going to be 70 years of captivity. And then they'll be able to return to this land. So this is before chapter 40 or chapter 36, 37, 38. It's all before the uh, the 70 year captivity and just the beginning of it. And so that's where we kind of come. By the way, a lot of drama here. Uh, Josiah was a good king. He was one of the last kings of Judah. Uh, Josiah was one of the kings that restarted revival. They found a book of the law in the temple. He heard the book of God, uh, or the word of God being read. His heart was melted. He proclaims a fast. He gets people right with God. He makes some major, major reforms in the southern kingdom uh, to where we had major revival. Altars were being torn down. Incredible work done under Josiah's reign. Josiah was killed tragically in battle and his son uh jehoaz uh, reigned in his stead for just about three months Uh, egypt came and really basically kidnapped him and they put in his son uh, jehoiakim he's a really different name so you got josiah you got jehoaz and you have now jehoiakim and uh egypt is now kind of saying you know you owe us a lot of money we're not going to kill you Israel, or rather Judah, has been so weakened by their decisions. Their military is weak. God is not blessing now. And now Judah has become basically a client state of Egypt. 
It didn't last too long. Uh, they changed uh, a few years later. Babylonians came in and they uh, destroyed some of the Egyptians' army in the northern, in present-day Turkey. And, and now, now, uh, uh, now the southern kingdom is saying, okay, now we'll change allegiances. Now we're for Babylon. Okay? And then it goes back to Egypt. And Zedekiah is now the last king of, of Judah, and he is now being warned in chapter number uh, 30, 34, 35. You find he's being warned by Jeremiah. Hey, listen, you need to get right with God. God is going to judge this nation. Just submit to the Babylonians, and you'll be all right. And he said, I can't do that. I fear the people. And he ends up having his sons and his children killed in front of him and his eyes being plucked out to live the rest of his life and die in Babylon. Tragic ending for Zedekiah. So the nation of Judah is so weak, they have no, no military now. Nebuchadnezzar is now in chapter 40. He's already destroyed the temple. He's already pillaged the temple. He's already re- removed all the gold, all the brass out of the temple. He's taken all the wise out of the land, all those that have influence. Oh, Daniel was one of those that went with them back to Babylon. So whatever's left in Judah, they're on the mountains. They're kind of hiding because they don't know what's going to happen. And that's where this story kind of picks up. So it's a real mess. It's a real political nightmare watching all this. And here's the title of the lesson today, making the best out of a bad situation. Okay. Making the best out of a bad situation. That's where we find here, uh, after all of this destruction, all of this judgment, uh, we find this story uh, laid out for us. Pick it up, if you would, in verse number five. I'm just going to read one verse because of time here and move into three different characters, by the way. I'm doing something that's very difficult to do in sermon preparation and delivery. It's very difficult to do this. We're going to try and do this. Three different main characters in chapter 40 through chapter 41. Uh, One of those is Gadaliah. The other one is Ishmael. And the third one is Johanan. Now, those three characters personify, one, the will of God. uh, The other, really, the heart and the deceptiveness of man. And then the third one... Uh, kind of describes one that walks by sight and not by faith. Now, again, we have these three different characters that really represent a lot in really what we're living today. Listen, 2020 was a crazy year. It was a good year for our church. I mean, it was a great year for our church. People got saved. Uh, I mean, we've had increase. And even in the midst of all this, breaking the church up into three different groups, we're having you know, we're having to work through it. Listen, if everyone came together, we'd almost have to put people in the narthex. That's how it is right now. You see, this was empty. It, well, you put them all together. You're taking one third of the church and meeting, but it was a good year and it was a challenging year. But just because the calendar moved from 2020 to 21, you know, it, it doesn't change the condition of where we're at. Are y'all here? Say, man, 2021's here. Praise the Lord. It doesn't change anything. It's moving from the stress, the difficulty of one year right in. In fact, it's probably starting off much more challenging than 2020 did. And so I would probably say, based on what we're seeing right now, 2021 is going to be quite a difficult, challenging year. Now, I'm not saying that to lay you down the railroad tracks. I'm saying that to say that there is, in all of that, the will of God. Amen. I mean, God's not on the throne saying, oh, no, America's in a mess. Oh, no, those churches. No, this is all part of a of a plan 
to work really what he wants to be done. And that's, again, where we're at today. So here's this first character, if you look here, this first character, if you look uh, in this one verse, in verse number five, you'll find this name, Gadaliah. And Gadaliah was a son of Ahikim, the son of Zaphon, whom the king of Babylon, watch this, hath made governor over the cities of Judah and dwell with him among the people, or go whithersoever he seemeth convenient uh, unto thee to go. So the captain of the guard gave him victuals and reward and let him go. Of course, he's, being, he's talking to uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah had the opportunity to go back to Babylon or stay there in Judea uh, or Judah. And so he mentions his character, Gadaliah. And Gadaliah here is... A, a person that I want to just personify, if we can, of what God is allowing to happen. Again, making the best out of a bad situation and looking at this person, Gadaliah. What does this represent? Who is Gadaliah in our present day? What is this? Here's a brief history of him. Of course, verse number five, you find a couple of people that he came from. Verse number five, he is the son of Ahikim and the son of Zaphon. So Zaphon if you remember, uh, was one of the people that were under Josiah's reign, found the book of the law. He's part of that whole revival back there a few chapters back. Uh, uh, Ahikim was also the, 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 the man that was able to take Jeremiah out of the pit. So can I say this? Gadaliah comes from very good stock. Gadaliah is a good guy. Okay. Who Gadaliah is the governor that Nebuchadnezzar put over. Yes, he is, but he's a very good guy. In fact, Gadaliah, if you look at Gadaliah and which side he fell on during the time that Judah was finishing up, if you were, their dynasty, Nebuchadnezzar's breathing down their necks. Egypt is now gone. Egypt, or, or, or Babylon's coming back. And he's saying, listen, just because Babylon left and Egypt is uh, now our friends doesn't mean that Babylon's not going to come back. In fact, Jeremiah says that when he comes back, he's going to take everything and destroy everything. Gadaliah was on the side of Jeremiah when Jeremiah gave that prophecy. Are you all with me? Just a few years back. So Gadaliah is a man, as you note, and you study his name, he is a man that did right. He is a man that was on the right side of the word of God. Okay? You all with me so far? So Coming from good stock, you find here that uh, he is now the governor, okay? He is the governor, but he is the governor over an area that is controlled by Babylon. Look at verse number seven. And when all the captains of the forces which were in the fields, even they and their men heard that the king of Babylon had come, uh, rather had made Gadaliah the son of Achim, the governor in the land, and he had committed unto his, him men and women and children of the poor of the land, of them that were carried away captive to Babylon. So, here is something very interesting I want to introduce to you. Here is the will of God for Judah. No longer do they have a sovereign nation. No longer are they independent. They are now a vassal nation or, or a, a, a nation now subjected to Babylon. A governor is placed over there, not a Babylonian man, but a Jewish man set over them as a governor. So can I say it this way with a great deal of confidence? Gadaliah was the will of God for Judah. You all with me on that? I don't like that. I know. Gadaliah was the will of God for Judah. Now, 
it wasn't what it used to be. Judah obviously is not what it used to be. Judah is a, is a shell of a nation compared to what it used to be. Think about Judah when the kingdom was united and people were, man, li- li- loving God. They were coming to the temple, worshiping God. Remember the, the beginning of the worship in the temple when the cloud that came in and the Hebrew word Shekinah glory of God filled that temple. People were getting, if you would, right with God. They were seeing the presence of God. God was pleased. And, and it wasn't long after that where everything was kind of going downhill. Northern kingdom took 10 tribes, two tribes stayed in the south, and then you have just this fluctuation in the southern kingdom of good and bad and good and bad and good and bad until the place that God says, I'm done, I'm going to bring Nebuchadnezzar in, I'm taking you now away, you no longer are a nation. So it wasn't, Judah was not what it used to be. Judah was now a shadow of what she was. The nation is now under the judgment of God. The consequences of the decisions are now happening. And families, if you look what happened, are split up. The temple is destroyed. Jerusalem basically has been spoiled. Everything valuable has been taken away. Babylonians now have taken the gold, have taken the silver, have taken the brass, have taken everything valuable. The wise were taken away. There is no military. The walls are gone. And they have no one to blame but themselves. They can't say, well, we just had bad leaders. No, it was themselves to blame. They were warned and warned and warned through prophets that this is going to happen. Over decades and decades and decades of warning, prophet after prophet, he said, it's going to happen. You need to get right. You need to put, you have false gods and they did not listen. So gone now are the days of victories. Gone now are the days. Stop going ahead of me on this. Uh, Just stay with me. Okay. You say, what's he going? Just stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Gone are those days of victory. Gone are those days of God fighting their battles. Gone are the days of peace. Gone are the days of revival. It was a bad situation. But it could get worse. Bad situation, but it could get much, much worse. This shows a very important principle. Stay with me, folks. This shows God's grace in the judgment of God. This shows a very important principle. Here's what we, use, we, we preach. Well, God judges, there's no grace. Huh. God had every right to take everyone and destroy them in Judah. Could, could have wiped them off. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you grace. In fact, I'm going to give you a governor that's going to be working for Babylon, but he's a good guy, and he's going to be over you. It's a good situation. Are you all here? So God, here's an application to us today. God gives grace in judgment. Gadaliah is a picture of that grace. Gadaliah is a picture of the will of God. So if something happens to him, by the way, whether he's assassinated or whether he comes down sick or he eats a bad bowl of soup and he, he comes up pushing daisies, watch this. Do you realize it could go from bad to worse? Are you all here? If, if, if Babylon, if Uncle Neb or Nebuchadnezzar finds out that that man gets killed, then all of his army is coming back and going to get things straightened out. Are y'all here today? So it could get worse. So Gadaliah needed, if you would, to be in his place. It was good. If something happened to him, it would affect the entire nation. If he dies, the entire nation is going to come under an incredible, legitimate threat from Babylon. Now, 
There are some folks that did not like Gedaliah. You know, they don't like the will of God. Gedaliah represents, if you would, now don't turn me off when I say this, and if you're online, please stay with me. Gedaliah represents the new norm. It's like the guy comparing it to this. It's like the guy that cheats on his wife. Ten years of marriage, meets a guy, or lady rather, on, maybe a guy, meets in this days, uh, meets a lady on Facebook, old friend. She calls and says, hey, you really are looking good. Is that your kids? Nice wife. Yeah, you too. And next thing you know, hey, let's have a cup of coffee. And the coffee goes from there to, you know, you know the whole story. I've seen it happen and heard the tragedies. A guy commits adultery on his wife and then messes up. Kids are upset, rips the whole family apart. This girl that he runs off with, runs off with another guy. He's left alone, comes crawling back to his wife. I'm sorry. I can't believe I did that. I went through a bad part of life. I was going through depression. Please forgive me. Yes, I'll forgive you. Come back in. And here is the guy that says, now, I want you to trust me just like you trusted me before. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Are you all here? It will never be the same as it was. That's the new norm. It's like the pedophile that goes out and, uh, or, or a sex offender, he goes out and he commits some, some uh, hideous crime with someone, uh, or a child, or a, a young adult, or whatever it is. He gets caught, he goes to prison, he gets out of prison, he is slapped with a uh, identity as a sex offender for the rest of his life. He may not like it, but that is, for him, the new norm. Are y'all here this morning? So, <laughs> applying it to a girl that perhaps meets a guy at school, she t- he takes her out, he's a smooth talker, and uh, here's a, a, a girl that has never given herself away to a boy. He says he loves her and, and seduces her takes her virginity, she gives it to him, watches, she will never be a virgin again. That is the new norm. Can never go back and get it back. Are you all with me this morning? Now, in that situation, there is still the grace of God. There is the grace of God. Now, see, listen, there are consequences in decisions There are consequences in decisions that a country makes. There are consequences in a decision that a parent makes or a man makes or a teenager makes. But there is also grace in the consequences. There's consequences in decisions, but there's grace in the consequences. I'll give you several examples. I could give you several examples. Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. Abel brought a good sacrifice. Abel brought a sacrifice that was pleasing to him. Fruit of his ground. God says, now sin lieth at the door. And he uh, is now going to be cursed. But in that curse, there was still grace. David sinned with Bathsheba, committed adultery with Bathsheba, had her husband Uriah murdered on the field, conspired for him to be murdered by the Philistines. And David was able and permitted to live out the rest of his life. By the way, a very difficult life. Absalom and the rebellion of Absalom, Tamar and the raping of his sin. And so all those things that took place after David sinned with Bathsheba were bad, but they were still, if you would, under the grace that God gave him. It was the new norm. Are y'all tracking with me on this? And so over and over again, Jonah, you can go through Jonah, you can go through example after example of God giving grace in consequences. 
Yes, consequences are bad, but it's just simply God's grace. And some of you that are here today and maybe watching online have experienced God's grace in your consequences. Some are here and they have lived a life against God, against the will of God, against the word of God, get saved or get right. But yet they have all of the baggage and the scars that the old life presents to them. But here they are living under the consequences, but still under grace. Wow. Now, the best thing to do, and let me just kind of reverse the time a little bit. Why we have junior church? Why do we work with our young people? Because we want them to have as little, as little consequences as biblically possible. We don't want them to make the same mistakes that we've made. Are y'all here? We don't want them to do the things that we have done. And so the best thing to do is obey the word of God so you do not have to face the consequences. Because even in the consequences, grace, it's difficult. You can make the best of a bad situation, but there's nonetheless consequences. Gadaliah was God's will. And you got what you deserve, but, but I'm going to put a man over you that's a good guy. Gadaliah was, by the way, God's plan. And I want to kind of unpack this a little bit because there's a lot here. But Gadaliah... If, if you personify it as the will of God, Gadaliah was an approachable governor. You can come to him. You can talk about very sensitive things with him. You could talk about murder with him. You say, really? Yeah, right here. Look in chapter 14. Johanan comes to him in verse number 14. In ch- chapter 40, verse number 14. And said unto him, Johanan speaking, Dost thou certainly know that Balis, the king of the Ammonites, has sent Ishmael, the son of Nephaniah, to slay thee. Now, you don't know this. I, I do. Johan is coming to him. Gedaliah, I'm just letting you know. Now, I've already, I heard you were set up from Babylon, from Nebuchadnezzar. I'm coming down here to let you know. I heard that this guy, Balis from Ammon, is, he's hiring a guy by the name of Ishmael to come and kill you. Oh. Oh, you're all reading ahead. I did not know that. He goes on to say in verse number 14, uh, verse number 15, So Johanan, the son of Korea, uh, spake to Gedaliah and Mizpeth secretly, saying, Let me go, I pray thee, and I will slay Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and no man shall know it. It's like a mafia hit. Hey, you all here? I'll take care of it. No problem. No one will know. Okay? Wash your hands of this. I got it. Okay? This is the kind of conversation. I will kill him. So he does not kill you. Now watch this. Johanna knows that if Gadaliah is killed, everyone is going to be affected. Are you all following this drama right here? So he says, let me go. I'll go kill the guy. And no man's going to know it. Wherefore shall he slay thee, that all the Jews which are gathered under thee should be scattered. If you die, everyone's going to go. And the remnant of Judah perish. So we got to keep you alive. Johanan knew that Gadaliah was God's will, was a good, it's a, it's, it's a good situation and a bad situation. It's God's grace in the consequences. He knew that. And he said, listen, I got to keep you alive and let you know some guy's trying to kill you. Now watch 
Gedaliah's response, verse 16. But Gedaliah, the son of Ahikim, sent unto Johanan, the son of Kariah, watch this, thou shalt not do this thing, for thou speakest falsely of Ishmael. I don't believe you. He says, okay, why would he say that? One, he most likely knew Ishmael. So he said, no, I don't see him doing that. I don't see him wanting to even kill me. That that makes no sense. So I I don't think, and here's, here's the point, that the will of God is approachable. The will of God can be compromised with one decision. Are you all here? So I'll listen to both sides. I, listen, here's what the will of God is doing. I'll make myself vulnerable to what you do. Okay, we're personifying it. Gadaliah is the will of God from Babylon over Judah who deserved to be judged. He is now the governor and he says, listen, I don't believe what you're saying about Ishmael. I'm okay. I compare that with a verse over in James chapter 3, verse number 17. And for time's sake, you don't need to turn there. But I want you to show you what God's will is, or at least what wisdom is. Neat here as you look at this. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above, that's God, is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Y'all get this? The will of God or words that are from above have no part. There, there's, there's no favorite, so to speak. It's open. So if Gadaliah is the will of God for Judah, in a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a best in a bad situation. It's the will of God. Watch this. It's, it's neutral. It could go either way. That's why, bless God. That's, that's why when God gives you something to do, you can say no. You can kill it. You can say, I don't want to listen. It's your choice. And so I looked at that and note here that the will of God is not a respecter of persons. 2021 is a year that you could either A, get into the will of God, or B, get out of the will of God. Okay? It's your choice. You could, at the end of 2021, know that you are in the very center of God's will. It will be evidenced by several other principles in your life. The will of God, for some, may be God's grace in a bad situation. You may be coming out of the consequences of your decision. You don't like the consequences, but it's God's will. So even in those bad situations, there is blessings, great blessings. Note here, again, in verse number 9. Everything's going well up to this point. Look in verse number 9. I'm only going to get to one person. I got through two of these in the last hour. But look in verse number 9. And God lied, the son of Achim. Look in verse number 10. As for me, behold, I dwell in Mizpath to serve the Chaldeans. This is Galilean, Galilee, which will come unto us. But ye gather ye wine and summer fruits and oil and put them in your vessels and dwell in your cities that ye have taken. Likewise, all the Jews that were in Moab and among the Ammonites and Edom and that were in the, all the countries heard that the king of Babylon had left a remnant in Judah that he had set over Gadaliah, the son of Achim, the son of Zaphon. Even all the Jews returned out of the places whether they were driven and came to the land of Judah to Gadaliah. Wow, church is growing. The people are coming out of the hills. Their summer fruits are happening. There's a nice harvest. So watch this. It's a bad situation, but they have a good harvest and they have people coming. It would look at this point like, wow, we really deserve to be completely annihilated. And 
God has given us grace. Are you all here? Noting this interesting point that the next chapter shows something very, very different. Watch this. 2021, there's a will of God that has, he has for all of us. You're not an accident. He doesn't look at you and say, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I have no idea what they're supposed to do. All of us have a will, God's will for us. And we have a will also that fights the will of God. Are you all here? So making the best out of a bad situation is our choice. Or making it worse in a bad situation is also our choice. Note here in this very interesting change in verse number, well, chapter 41, I want you to note how it starts because it starts with a time period in verse number one. Now it came to pass in the what, what month? What's that? Seventh, right? Seventh month. Now, we know that the temple was destroyed in the fifth month, Okay. So Nebuchadnezzar came in, destroyed the temple, pillaged everything out in the fourth and the fifth month, um, maybe sometime in early August. Now we're in the seventh month, which would be October. So watch this. We're only a couple months removed from all of the havoc and destruction from Babylon. So now we come to this guy. Verse 2. Then arose Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah. And the ten men that were with him and smote Gedaliah, the son of Ahikim, the son of Zaphon, with a what? Sword and slew him and the king of Babylon and made that, uh, uh, that Babylon had made governor over the land. Ishmael also slew all the Jews that were with him, even Gedaliah, at Mizpeth and the Chaldeans that were found there and the men of war. Now, here comes this guy, Ishmael. He's a hired hand from Ammon. He says, I'm going to kill. And I, he says, so, Gedaliah, I'm here eat dinner with you. Let's have, let's, uh, let's have some food. Now, I don't know about you, but if Gadaliah had already heard that this guy Ishmael is trying to kill him, why would you let 10 men come in with you? You all hear? With swords. So that, to me, shows, again, the personification of God's will. You can destroy it if you want. <laughs> so here comes these guys. I hope I'm not boring you. Here comes these guys. He got all his swords. They're all clanking. They're all sitting down. They're all eating bread. In verse number one, you find the last part of that verse. They're eating bread together. And then the killing starts. They assassinate Gadaliah. They kill him. And by the way, this is such a tragedy. And by the way, when, when that sword went through Gadaliah, I don't know if they cut his head off. I don't know if they slit his throat. I don't know if they put it through. I don't know how they killed him. But the very moment that he died, that set another whole set of circumstances on Israel or Judah. Now it's going to get worse. In fact, you want to study this even further. You go over to the book of Zechariah. And you will find in that book, chapter 7, verse number 5, that there is another feast, another time that they would mourn in the seventh month. That means that whatever happened in that time in Mizpeth, the entire nation of Israel mourned, and they set out that mourning time for what happened because it was a change. And God later says, stop mourning over that when they came back from the land of Babylon. But they're now mourning for 70 years. So it'll be like a 9-11. Let's mourn again. Every year. Every year. Why? Because it changed the calendar. 
It changed the nation. Are you all here? Gadaliah's assassination changed. Things are now going to get much worse. Now, what kind of guy is this Ishmael? Look in verse number one. The last part, he says, he did eat bread together with Miz- in Mizpath. Now, note here a couple of things about this. Uh, you know, when someone is eating bread with you in our day and age, it would be like, hey, we're friends. I love eating, okay? But in addition to eating, I want to eat with you. And it's a good time. I don't want to eat you, but I want to, you know, you know have, you, have you for lunch. I'm just going to have kind of like a nice meal. We sit down, we talk, we fellowship. This is the same thing. When someone would eat with others around the table, it was an unspoken covenant that was being made. Peace. In other words, I'm no threat to you. And you're no threat to me. Here's what this, the book of Psalms talks about this. Psalm 41, 9 says, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, and hath lifted up his heel against me. It is, again, it's the prophecy of Judas Iscariot coming in, lifting up his heel. A covenant, if you would, a covenant setting. So not only was it a horrible murder and assassination to Gadaliah, it was done under the flag of truce or a white flag. It's okay. So this is another whole level of darkness. Are y'all with me so far? And you're going to really hate this guy in a little bit, but it doesn't stop. The killing continues in verse number three. He slow slew all the Jews that were with him, even, uh, uh and the Chaldeans who were found there men of war. And so we have maybe a little platoon or a half a platoon of soldiers from Babylon sent there to protect Gadaliah. You have some other Jews that were there. He kills them all. Now, if Amnon, uh, the king of Ammon, or Bali, one of them killed, Gadaliah killed, why would you have to kill all those other people? I mean, I see the men of war because they pose a threat, but all those, men, those women and children, why would they have to die? This man loves to murder. Verse 4, and it came to pass the second day after he had slain Gadaliah, and no man knew it. Forty-eight hours pass. Blood is still on the floor. And no one else in Mispath knew, knew that this has happened. Wow. That's a pretty quiet killing. This guy knew what he was doing. But, verse number 5, he goes to another whole level. Then there came men from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria, even four score or 80 men, having their beards shaven and their clothes rent, having cut themselves with offerings and incense in their hand. Watch this. Here, I underlined it to bring them to the house of the Lord. So here we have 80 men coming to church. You know, they're really sad. Well, our nation's mess. They're coming from the northern kingdom, so they're coming to the southern kingdom to the house of God. Beards are cut. They've cut themselves, which is not commanded by God. They're mourning. They're coming. So they're coming to church. Can you imagine this? This guy loves to kill that when he sees them, look what he says in verse number 6. And Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, went forth from Mizpeth to meet them. And here's what he does, weeping all along as he went. Boy, this guy's good. (laughs) He begins, if you would, to put on a con artist show. These people have no idea what's coming. There's no motive other than the thirst of blood. There's nothing that they're going to due to harm him. They're just on their way to worship God. There's 80 of them. And he pretends, puts on a pretty good show. And he says to them in verse number five, 
And it came to pass as he met them, he said to them, come to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikim. He's dead. You killed him 48 hours ago. So uh, he's dead. You're weeping. This guy's a con artist. Y'all here? Can we just, this guy's bad. I mean, this guy's a really bad dude. Then it says in verse number seven, and it was so when they came into the midst of the city that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, slew them, then cast them in the midst of the pit and the men that were with him. So now they throw him into most likely a well, contaminating the well of Mispath that was probably put there years ago. Wow, this guy's bad. But he came from good stock. He's a descendant of David. Now, don't be surprised when you look at someone like that, murder, men, women, children, never commanded by God to do any of that. Say, okay, now wait, maybe it's a noble cause. There's no noble cause at all. He's being hired from Amnon, paid to bring, or rather kill, Gadaliah. Why would Ammon want Gadaliah killed? I don't know, maybe to set maybe some instability among the Jewish people and Babylon. So Babylon leaves their country alone. I don't know what the motive is, but Amnon wanted Gadaliah dead. Now watch this. Why did everyone else have to die? Why did the other men have to die? What was the reason for it? Well, when I get into this, I start, start to unpack, you know, the very next verse. I'm not going to ask you. To, well, let's see in, if you would in verse number eight. And the men that were found among them said unto the Mishmael, Slay us not, for we have treasure in field of wheat, of barley, and of oil, and of honey. So he forbade and slew them not among the brethren. So he said, oh, you got some money. Are you all getting a profile of this guy? He's a hired hand. He's not out for his country. He's not out for anyone else but himself. So 10 guys said, time out. Hey, I got got food for you. I've got barley. We've got uh, treasure in field. Just don't kill us. Okay. So this guy's out for mullah. Bad guy. (laughs) Bad guy, corrupt. And he's going to kill the will of God. Now, how does that apply to us, Pastor Shepherd? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. So there has got to be a principle in that verse right there applies to my life. When I looked at that, I said, oh, boy, I don't want to see it. I don't even want to look at this. But there is an Ishmael in all of us. There is a very ugly person in us. And that ugly person is trying to destroy the will of God. Don't be surprised about that. Say, Pastor, I'm not that bad. I never murdered anyone. I've never lifted a finger to hurt anyone. I've never done the things that Ishmael has done. True. And if you did... We need to call the authorities on you if you've never been prosecuted. But for the most part, unless you're watching online and you have done those things, turn yourself in. But if you're here, I think I know most of you, you don't have that kind of past. However, all of us have done what what, uh, Ishmael has done in spirit. Now, listen, just be honest with God and yourself on this one. And turn to the book of Matthew. Real quick. Matthew chapter 5. Oh, are you all here? Here's what we do. Here's what we do when we read the Bible. Well, I'm not that bad. 
Or here's what we do when we come to church and the altar call is given. Boy, I'm glad he spoke to my wife today. Are y'all here? (laughs) I saw what that person posted on Facebook and they need to be at that altar. Okay. Okay. We have a good way of kind of diverting conviction to someone else. But may I present to you that in all of us, there's an Ishmael. And he hates the will of God because he hates God's plan. Look at verse 5, verse 21, Matthew 5. You all hear? You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. Well, what did he do? He killed, right? And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, Jesus is speaking here. If you've got the red letter edition, you know it's Christ speaking. Then he goes not only from the letter of the law, watch this, he goes to the spirit of the law. Watch what he says in verse number 22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, watch this. Watch this. Do you realize that being angry with someone, your brother, without a cause, is as bad as has Old Testament murder in God's eyes. Oh, boy. That's what I'm saying. Ishmael and all of us. That's why John chapter 4, the Lord Jesus Christ has to, under the inspiration of John, to give us some very pointed instructions for the New Testament church. Here's what he says. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God in whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Now, we get to another whole level of definitions. Okay, okay, now, I don't hate anybody. First of all, Pastor Shepherd, I don't hate anybody. And the word hate that we typically use in our mind is defined by us. Are you all here? We, we define what hate is. And so then we say, under this definition, in my mind, what hate is, I don't hate anybody. Now, <laughs> it is evidenced by our actions. It's evidenced by what we say out of the heart, man, uh, proceedeth, uh, out, of, out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaketh. We understand that. But watch this. Hate is many times defined by us. And we come under that banner that says, I don't hate anybody, so I'm good. But the Bible does give you what it actually means. Simply, to dislike greatly. To have a great aversion to. To detest. To de- I, just de- I just detest. I just strongly dislike. <laughs> So, the reason why Gadaliah murdered, yeah, he probably hated, Gad, uh, or rather, Ishmael murdered Gadaliah. Yeah, he probably hated Gadaliah. Uh, he hated his plan. He hated God's plan. He was out for himself. I really think the reason why that Ishmael did that is not because of hate, but because of love. He loved, Ishmael loved himself and when you love yourself you will 
hate or strongly dislike easily someone else. Are y'all with me? So when we start throwing Gadolai into this kind of category of people that we're not, when God, when the Lord Jesus Christ says, I say unto you, I want to get to the spirit of this thing. You're murdering people all the time. You're, you're committing the, the, an innocent act of taking someone's life spiritually by your actions. That's why Jesus had to very clearly state before he left that you love one another. Are you all here this morning? So here's the principle. And we're not going to get this lesson finished out and shaked out, shook out. All of us have a very ugly person in us. That ugly person hates the will of God. That ugly person hates the plan of God. He hates what God says. That ugly person can do a lot of damage. That ugly person can destroy a home. That ugly person, that bad person can destroy a marriage, can destroy a church, can destroy relationships. And we all have him in us. He's an ugly, bad person. And he don't care who he takes. He's out for himself. It's all about him. No one crosses him. And a lot of innocent people are going to be affected by what he does. One person, one preacher said it this way. Absence of self-fault is true Christianity. I'll say it again. Absence of self-fault is true Christianity. The less you think of yourself, the more godly you are. How about that? I didn't even say that at the 9 o'clock hour. That's amazing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How could he say that? He wasn't thinking of himself. That's why 2021 is starting off with such difficulty politically, nationally, and we don't know what this year will end like. I don't know what this year, year will end like nationally. I don't know what it's going to uh, end up like medically. Personally, I don't know. For my own personal life, I don't know that. I don't know what it's going to end up like spiritually inside this congregation and those that are joining us. But we do know that God, in his justice, has the biblical right to bring fierce judgment on this nation. But we also know that in God's judgment, there's amazing grace. So the situation of our country, of our churches, of our families is bad. But we can make the best of a bad situation by submitting ourselves to his will. And then recognizing that there's an Ishmael that always fights the Gedaliah. Always fights God's plan. So here's the principle. We'll go home. Making the best of that bad situation really is accepting and humbling ourselves to God. Ishmael made things much more difficult for everyone. Making the best of a bad situation or we can make it much worse in already a bad situation. And my 
admonition to you today and those that are online is I don't know what happens in the future, but I do know God is in the future and God has a plan. And we need to have a sweet submission to this book right here. It's all we have. All we have is truth. And what we do in these days for our families and for our lives will dictate the uh, direction that we take. Because of time, I don't have time to unpack the character of Johannan, but there is a great principle here. Let me say this real quick, and I know that I'm going over a little bit here. Okay, Zedek, Zedek, uh, rather, Nebuchadnezzar is going to come in. Uh, he is going to destroy. He is going to pillage. He's going to be upset. And Johannan knew it. Knew it. It's going to happen. But when you study what Johannan said to Jeremiah, he catches up with Ishmael, and he rescues all the people of Mizpeth and get on back home, man. And then goes Ishmael. He gets away. I always like it when the bad guy gets caught and gets, gets what he's deserved. Ishmael gets away. He doesn't get caught. So all the people come home. But they don't go to Mizpath. They were going down to Egypt. And Johanan said, time out, time out, wait. We can't go to Egypt. We've got to find out what God wants. So he came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, we, we need to know what you tell us. Whatever you tell us, we're going to do. And you read this. It's interesting. And Johanan the Bible says he dissembled in his heart. He didn't care what God said. He just wanted God to agree with his plan to go to Egypt because he was so fearful of what Babylon was going to do. Watch this. 2021, we need to have a, watch this, a more intimate walk by faith. Amen? Not by sight. The things you think you ought to do probably are wrong. The things you, the Bible tells you to do, they're right. That is walking by faith, not by sight. Johanan walked by sight, not by faith. And everything that he feared would happen to him in Judah from Babylon happened to him Egypt from the Egyptians. That's the condensed version of that last character. So making the best of a bad situation is very simple. You do what God wants you to do. You follow the will of God. You humble yourself to the will of God this year, starting this year off with God, you're right. I'm most likely, no, I am wrong, and I need to follow your will. I don't want to kill the sweet will of God, the Gadaliah of my life. Because inside me is a very, very ugly person that loves to live for himself.